Welcome to the Grand Piano. This is episode zero zero two, Composers at the Piano. For more details and show notes, please visit www. parnassusrecords. com. That's p a r n a s s u s records. com. Hello, I'm Leslie Gerber, and this is the Grand Piano. And you're hearing behind me George Gershwin playing his own music, something we're going to be enjoying later in the program. But it is an indication of the theme of this program: composers at the piano. We're going to hear musicians who both write music and play it, giving us that special insight that we get when a composer plays his or her own music. And we're going to begin with one of the greatest composers of the 20th century, and also one of its greatest pianists. Bela Bartok. Bartok, in his professional career, was actually better known as a pianist than he was as a composer. He made his living as a touring pianist for many years. He also taught the piano, but he never taught composition. He didn't want to be involved in that kind of analysis of the creative process because he thought it would be detrimental to his work. Bartok wrote a great deal of music for his own instrument, the piano, and one of his most outstanding works was this Microcosmos. A series of 153 pieces designed to teach piano playing to his son Peter. From a 1944 broadcast, now we will hear Béla Bartók explaining what he meant with this title. The Microcosmos is a cycle of 153 pieces for piano, written with didactical purposes. That is to give pieces. Uh, which can be used from the very beginning and then going on. It is graded according to uh, difficulties. And uh, the word cosmos may be interpreted, microcosmos may be interpreted that uh, uh, as a series of pieces in uh, all of different style, which re- represent a small world. Or it may be interpreted that. Uh, uh, word, musical word for the little ones, for the children. We've just heard Bela Bartok speaking about Microcosmos. Now we'll hear him playing a piece from that cycle, the beautiful Notturno, number ninety-seven from Book Four of Microcosmos. Music of Béla Bartók, the beautiful Notturno, number ninety-seven from Book Four of Microcosmos, that was recorded for the Columbia label in nineteen forty. 
Bartok had earlier made some recordings for a label called Continental, and friends of his falsified the royalty statements on those recordings as a way of giving Bartok money and subsidizing him without his knowing it. But that led to problems when he got the royalty statements on his Columbia recordings. He wanted to know why they hadn't sold better. We're going to hear next another great composer-pianist, Aaron Copland, a man who, as you will hear, was very modest about his own piano playing. I spoke with Aaron Copland in 1981, and he told me about his own playing and his piano variations. Uh, I've never given concerts uh, piano music, but I have played my own piano concerto with some of the uh, symphony orchestras. I heard you do it once. Did you? Yeah, and you made a, uh, a great recording of the piano variations, which is not easy to play. Mm -hmm. Well, how did you do that? I don't know. I seem able to play my own music, all right, which others find very, very difficult. Uh, and I'm no good at all at Liszt and Chopin, those boys. Mm -hmm. Did you ever try that? Not seriously, no. It was always a bore to have to keep practicing the same piece over and over <laughs> again. <laughs> Aaron Copeland speaking with me from his home in Peekskill, New York, in 1981 obviously one of the most memorable events in my own career. Uh, probably not in his, though. Copland's Piano Variations was composed in 1930. He once said it was his favorite of all of his compositions. It's a difficult piece to play, but as you will hear, the composer plays it extremely well. He really had the chops to handle this difficult music, even though he was modest about it. The recording was made in 1935, only five years after the music was written. It was very unusual for a piece this contemporary to be recorded so soon by a major label, but we're very fortunate to have this as the result.
That thrilling performance of Aaron Copland's piano variations was played by the composer himself, a recording made in 1935. Unavailable for many years, and we're lucky to have it back on CD now. Another of the great composer-pianists of the 20th century was Dmitry Shostakovich, a man who actually earned a living for a while as a silent movie pianist. When he began his early concert career, one of his great showpieces was Beethoven's Hammerklavier Sonata, one of the most difficult pieces in the repertoire. So we can tell from that that Shostakovich was a considerable pianist, and we can also hear that in his recordings of his own music, which we are very fortunate to have. His trio number no. two was written in 1944. It was intended as a memorial for Soviet Jewry, and you can certainly hear a Jewish theme in the final movement, which Shostakovich put there to make sure nobody missed his point. The music was dedicated to the memory of a friend of his named Ivan Solertinsky, a musicologist who'd had a great deal to do with Shostakovich's own self-education in music. He missed Solotinsky very much and had him very much in mind when he wrote this music. The recording was made only two years after the piece had been written, in 1946. It was recorded on 78s in Prague, a performance that had originated at the Prague Spring Festival, and with him were two other great musicians, the violinist David Oistrach and the cellist Milos Sadlo.
Dmitry Shostakovich playing his own trio number two. With him were violinist David Oistrach and cellist Milos Sadlo. That recording was made in Prague on 78s in 1946. I'm Leslie Gerber, and you are listening to The Grand Piano. And our final grand pianist of the day, a grand player indeed, also one of the most loved composers of the 20th century, was George Gershwin. They said it was hard to keep Gershwin away from the piano. When he arrived at a party, he would sit down at the piano and start playing not only his own music, just whatever he liked, and it was hard to get him to stop. As we're going to hear, he really was quite a pianist. And we're going to hear one of his most successful concert works, the variations on his own song, I Got Rhythm. The origin of this recording is a very interesting one. In 1934, when Gershwin was writing Porgy and Bess, he needed some way of making a living without writing music for it because he was concentrating all his efforts on writing that opera. He came up with the idea, which did work out, of doing a radio program called Music by George Gershwin, and it was broadcast through much of 1934, originally as a 15-minute program twice a week, then 30 minutes once a week. We're going to hear Gershwin now from the broadcast of April 30, 1934, first explaining his variations on I Got Rhythm, and then playing it under the direction of Louis Kaplan. Good evening. This is George Gershwin speaking. The orchestra just played my song, Mine. Tonight I'm going to play you my latest composition, which I wrote a few months ago down in Palm Beach, Florida. This is a composition in the form of variations on a tune, and the tune is I Got Rhythm. I think you might be interested to hear about a few of the variations we're going to play. After an introduction by the orchestra, the piano plays the theme rather simply. Like that. The first variation is a very complicated rhythmic pattern played by the piano while the orchestra takes the theme. Against that, the orchestra fits in the tune. The next variation is in waltz time, and the third is a Chinese variation in which I imitate Chinese flutes played out of tune, as they always are, like this. Next, the piano plays the rhythmic variation in which the left hand plays the melody upside down, while the right plays it straight on the theory that you shouldn't let one hand know what the other is doing, like this. Then comes the finale. Now, after all this information about variations on I Got Rhythm, how about hearing it?
George Gershwin playing his own variations on I Got Rhythm with that fascinating little introduction in which he told us what he had in mind writing the music. The recording, kind of grungy sounding, comes from a broadcast of 1934, so you wouldn't expect high fidelity, but it is still a treasure to be able to hear Gershwin speaking about and playing his own music. Thanks for listening to the Grand Piano Podcast. You can find show notes and more details at www.parnassusrecords.com. That's P-A-R-N-A-S-S-U-S-Records.com.